podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello everyone and welcome to the first TSFP of 2023. Happy New Year to all our dear listeners. Hello Sydney, Happy New Year. Hello Phil, how are you? <laughs> you sound like a man who has been forced to record a podcast is sitting in his car on New Year's Day, Sid. I'm, I'm a man. I'm a man who spent quite a lot of the day on the on the, on the phone to Telefonica trying to fix a router that doesn't work. Yeah, yeah, you do. That's exactly what you sound like. Um, let's take 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 your mind off these technological issues uh, by talking about some Spanish football, should we? Good idea. Uh, we're recording on Sunday. Uh, it is New Year's Day because we had match day 15 played across Thursday, Friday. And Saturday, here's what happened. The first game back after the seven-week break for the World Cup saw Girona and Raya Vallecano play out a thrilling 2-2 draw at the Estadio Montilivi. Then Betis and Athletic Club played out a slightly less thrilling 0-0 draw uh, at the Benito Villamarina. Atletico Madrid got a much-needed 2-0 victory over bottom club Elche. Elche being still being the only side yet to win in La Liga this season. Then on Friday, uh, Getafe and Mallorca Played out a game that will not live long in the memories of many people. There weren't that many people there. Sid was one of them. Uh, he did see Getafe win by two goals to nil. Uh, Shelter Vigo won. Sevilla won. Sevilla stay in the relegation zone. And they're still not very good. Uh, Cadiz and Almeria also played out a 1-1 draw. And Real Madrid won 2-0 at Real Valladolid. And then the final games of the year. The Barcelona derby. There was a football match played. There were two teams involved, but it was all about the man in the middle, the referee, Matteo Lauth, stealing the, uh, I say stealing the headlines. Um, yeah, we'll talk about him in a minute. It finished 1-1 between Barcelona and Espanyol, but Matteo Lauth doing what he does so often. Uh, Real Sociedad beating Osasuna by two goals to nil. What a year they have had. What a year. They start 2023 third in the table. And Villarreal returning to the Estadio de la Ceramica, where they haven't played all season because of renovation works. It looks great from the outside. And it looked pretty good on the inside as well for the home fans because they saw Villarreal come from 1-0 down to win 2-1 against Valencia. Sydney, let's start by talking about that feisty, fiery Catalan derby between Barcelona and Espanol. I mean, we can talk about the we'll talk about the football in just a second. But Mateo Laos, I didn't think anything would perhaps top his performance at the World Cup in the <laughs> Netherlands Argentina game. But this this came bloody close. I'll tell you what. Um, we have said repeatedly over the last few years that we don't like talking about referees, <laughs> right? <laughs> but it is absolutely inevitable. <laughs> And he is genuinely the outstanding performer of the first weekend back for La Liga. And I was thinking this uh, this morning and, and just kind of thinking, wow, who thought that the star of the World Cup, that who would come back and say, I'm still here, everybody, was going to be the man who doesn't actually play? Um, yeah. It was a quite extraordinary performance from Matteo Loth whose name is not just a name anymore, it's a verb, isn't it? To Matteo Loth is to completely take <laughs> centre stage and to, and to you know, to, to dominate proceedings. And I think, you know, one of the things that I've heard a lot over the last day or so is that he really ruins things. And I mean, obviously at this point, my tongue is wedged slightly in my cheek, right? But he doesn't ruin things. He makes things much more exciting. He makes them much, much better. There's a nice, there's a nice um, 
match report in in ass written by Santi Jimenez and and Santi Santi is a brilliant man and, and makes me laugh enormously and very much a joker um and and so I can sort of imagine him enjoying himself doing this he said you know this this was a New Year's Eve party that was going to be really dull and then along came Matteo Loth and, and he's he, he he's a he's a dance floor filler you know he's the man who gets everyone up and dancing gets everyone going and he kind of really did and there was a moment um I think just about a little bit before the additional time at the end. And by the way, as you know, because I love doing this, I've done the numbers for you. And I'm going to go okay. through the numbers. For, I'm going to go through the numbers with you in a minute because they are hilarious. Um, there's, a, there's a minute, or there's a bit before, just as we're getting into additional time. When the commentators on Spanish TV, including um, the, the, the very lovely Gaithka Mendieta, who, who, who we both have worked with and is, is brilliant. And they're talking about how, you know, this is, this is what a derby is all about. You know, when people say, what's a derby? This is a derby. And I must admit, I was thinking, it's not really a derby. It's nothing to do with it being a derby. It's to do with it being my tail off. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, this is, this is genuinely one of those moments. And, and forgive me if I'm laughing because, you know, it, on, up to a point, there is a, there's kind of a serious element to this and we should be saying this is terrible. But actually, it was very funny uh, in, in a very stupid sort of way. It was wild. Uh, and it was, yeah. it was all about the referee. It really was. It wasn't a good game. It wasn't an exciting game. It mm. wasn't even that much of a dirty game. It wasn't mm. particularly tense. And yet mm. it ended up with... What was the total? Was it 15 red, yellow cards? And, I think and 16. 16, 16 in total. Yeah. 16 and two reds. Officially 16 and two reds. It was actually 16 and three reds, but one of them got taken away again. Uh, it was just a, a, an extraordinary performance. From the referee, from Matteo Lauth. And as you said, yeah. um, we do not like talking about referees usually, but we're making an exception today. Yeah, uh, because it was so g- good. G- give me the numbers then. You said you'd done the numbers. Right. Yeah, I mean, there was a little period, right, when he just totally and utterly lost the plot. And I think this is the thing about Matteo Lauth, is that I don't think it's about the decisions themselves and about whether they're right and whether the justice has been done. And this is a little bit, has a parallel to my argument with with VAR, which which you know we've discussed loads of times, so I always think it's it's not really about whether it's right; it's about the impact it has on the game itself, and you know what the, what sort of happens to the match, right? So ready for this, right? Um, yellow card on seventy four twenty three, right? Two yellow cards on seventy four fifty eight, yellow card on seventy five thirty, yellow card on seventy five fifty eight, yellow card on seventy six thirteen, yellow card on seventy six fifty which brings with it a red card. Two yellow cards, well, actually one yellow and one red, on 79.34. And that red card is then taken off. And get ready for the numbers here. I've just said 79.34. That red card is then taken off on 84.29, right? So basically, what is it, five minutes later. During which time, of course, nothing has actually happened. Now, as you know how I love to do the ball in play thing, just to demonstrate the madness of this period, right? So between 74.23... And 74.39, admit he then wait another five minutes for that card to be taken away. In that period, which is just over, te- uh, which is, what is it, just over five, it's five, just over five minutes, right? You can take it to ten minutes if you want to have it taken off. You get eight yellows, one red, another red that's taken away, and ball in play, 31 seconds. Wow. <laughs> you get, you get. And, and, you know, I shouldn't be laughing, but it was really, really funny. <laughs> you, you get eight yellow cards, one red, another red taken away. Here's the other way of looking at it. And this is, this is I think, the point. And this is kind of the point about the whole thing about Matteo Loth and in that sort of sense of him losing the plot. OK, so Barcelona have eight yellow cards or eight cards in the game, right? Right. One of them is, is for a foul. 
One of eight. Espanyol have eight yellow cards in the game. Four of them are for, 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 for a foul, right? So in other words, of 16 cards, five are for fouls. Five are for things that you really would give yellow cards for. The others are for a, ma- a referee who basically has lost control. And one of the things that makes this interesting, or oh, well, I don't know if interesting is the word, and I apologise the fact that we've been going on about this, and I apologise too for the fact that I'm finding it so amusing, is that Madeloth kind of made a name for himself as the guy that would talk to players mm. and would let the game go. And this is the complete opposite of that it's him totally losing the ability to deal with anything and there's one that really stands out for me and that's the card that he gives to Ferran Torres now the reason this stands out I think is because the TV camera is on him right and so because it's on him I don't like saying this and I don't like making these kind of value judgments and I've defended Matteo Loff lots of times but you watch this bit of footage and it's only about three or four seconds long and it says to you, that's a referee who wants to get a yellow card out. So Ferran Torres goes down and the camera gets gets on the face of Matelov and he's staring at him. And he's waiting for him to say, oh, come on. And the card is out so fast and so premeditated, in my view. And as, as I say, I feel unfair saying that. And it probably is unfair saying that. But you watch the way he behaves. And th- this is supposedly your referee that's, that's, a, that's a guy who likes dialogue who likes to talk to people. And it's the complete and utter mm-hmm. opposite. And it's what happened in the World Cup with Holland and Argentina. So the last two games he's refereed, he's given out 32 yellow cards, right? In those five minutes that I've already mentioned to you yesterday, he gave out as many red cards, sorry, in yesterday's game, he gave out as many red cards as were given out in the whole of the World Cup in one game. I mean, it is just insane, and it's sort of funny, but it does also really damage games. And, and there's another thing that I just wanted to point out, another one of my ridiculous count the minutes thing. He gave 10 minutes of additional time at the end of the game for a game that was stop-start because of him, not because of the players. Now, you could argue he can only give fouls when there's a foul given all the rest of it, but he kept stopping and starting the game. He's the one who, when the game is stopped, will then go and have a chat with someone. And kill more time. He's the one killing the game, not the players. This isn't about it being a derby. It's about him. So in that added time, 10 minutes, 3 seconds, ball in play, 4 minutes, 55. Now, you might say that's not too bad, but that's half of the additional time is not played. And it's not because Espanyol wasted time, although they weren't hurrying over goal kicks. Of course, they weren't because they had a result that would be really good. It was because he kept on stopping the game to go and have a word with people. Mm. Just stop it. Just get on with it. And this reminds me of something, and I, I realise I'm sounding like I'm going on a rant now, but I was sort of amused at the same you are, time. But it's okay. This reminds okay. me of something, and correct me if I'm wrong, because it's possible that I'm wrong, because I haven't had the time to double-check this today, but I'm going to go and do it in a minute. There was a moment earlier this season, about probably just before the World Cup, um, so six, seven, eight weeks ago, when Sergio Canales was sent off for something. Mm-hmm. And he came out after the game and he said, it now seems we can't talk to Matteo Loth. He says, well, if that's the case, don't you come asking me about my family. Because you come along playing all pally-pally, matey-matey with the players, and then as soon as someone says something, the card comes out. And if you look at the the official match report yesterday, because the referees are forced to write what the reasons are, right, for sending people off. Are you you ready for these? I really quite like this, because I think it says something about how low the bar is set for a yellow card. So the first one is for a foul. The second one is for arguing. It says, without ever insulting or threatening. The next one is for arguing. With an opponent, by the way, not with him. Without ever insulting or threatening. If two opponents are arguing, but no one's calling anyone a name, and no one's threatening anyone, and no one's confronting anyone, they're just saying, that's a foul, no it's not, oh come on mate, it's a foul. Why are you getting a yellow card out? Then the next one is for protesting one of my decisions. 
The next one is for protesting one of my decisions. But it's like there's no there's no suggestion that anyone's saying what kind of decision is that you absolute twat. It's someone just saying what have you given? Oh come on, that can't be a card. Or oh come on, that can't be a foul. It just seems like the bar is ridiculously low for the referee who was self-styled as the man who let people get on with it, and he's doing the total opposite. Anyway, rant over, and uh, and although uh, it sounds like I'm angry, I actually quite enjoyed it. <laughs> that was quite something, Sid. Uh, we've been doing the uh, we've been doing the pod for ten years. I don't think we've ever started uh, by talking about a refereeing performance, but I don't think we've ever seen a refereeing performance quite like that. Certainly, never seen or heard you quite as. Uh, passionate in describing a, <laughs> a referee's game, but, the, but there we go. Let's actually talk about the game because you said it, 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 it wasn't a brilliant game. Yeah. Marcus Alonso uh, giving Barcelona the lead before Joselu uh, leveled things up with a with a penalty in the second half. Um, it wasn't a great game. It's not a great result for for Barcelona. Did they deserve anything more from this game? Um, yes and no. So they deserve more in the sense that they had far, far more of the ball. They had mm-hmm. far more opportunities. Um, I think it was 20 shots to four uh, by the end of the game, of which I think not that many were on target, actually. I think about six, maybe seven were on target. I haven't got the statistic in front of me. I did have it earlier. Uh, Espanyol had four shots, only one of them on target, which is the penalty. Um, so Ter Stegen doesn't have to make a save. Well, he has to make one and doesn't make it. Uh, Fernandez makes two really good saves. And the save that he makes low down there in his post is, is an absolutely brilliant save. A really, really brilliant save. Very similar, actually, to the one that, that Courtois had made for Real Madrid at Valladolid the night before. Um, so in that sense, do Barcelona deserve more? Yes, because they made a lot more happen. They had a lot more of the weight of the game. They had, I think, the highest percentage of possession all season. And yet, at the same time, it was a kind of flat performance wasn't it they didn't make a huge amount happen there wasn't a huge amount of flow there wasn't a sense of 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 an intensity or a pace to the game that they would have wanted there to be and so in that sense I I, I quite liked Xavi Hernandez's response to this post game because he was asked repeatedly about Mateo Loth which of course is not surprising and he said we lost we didn't lose because of him we lost and I think he's right and I think the performance wasn't good, but it was certainly good enough to have won that and to have won it comfortably. They are still top of the table uh, on goal difference ahead of Real Madrid, having started or restarted the season two points ahead of Real Madrid. Real Madrid, who who beat Valladolid by two Karim Benzema goals to nil uh, the evening before. Uh, you watched this, by the way, didn't you? The Valladolid Real Madrid game. Yes, you I did. did. Yeah, 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 yeah. I watched. This was this was a, cur- a curious weekend because the way the games were distributed, I actually managed to watch pretty much everything on telly except the first half of Celta Sevilla because I was at Getafe. Ah, okay. Um, well, you you miss Sevilla be absolutely bloody awful in that first half, a real yeah. real shambles. But yeah. um, back to Real Madrid and that victory over Valladolid. It wasn't a particularly inspiring performance from Real Madrid who who started the game pretty well but then Valladolid uh, really got into it two late goals from Karim Benzema has to be said a penalty on 83 minutes and then a second very nicely taken goal on on 89 minutes wasn't a particularly brilliant performance from Benzema who looked a little bit sluggish but still managed to come away with two goals uh, what did you make of what did you make of this this game from Real Madrid um, well, the, the, the fact that you've asked from Real Madrid, I think, is is let, sort of changes slightly my answer because yes. my answer was going to be I was actually very impressed with Valladolid. So I thought kept yes. possession really well, created chances, caused problems for Real Madrid. I didn't think Madrid were particularly good. I didn't think they moved the ball particularly fast. Mm. Uh, they didn't create a, a very significant number of chances. They 
obviously got the breakthrough with a penalty for a handball. They might have had a penalty earlier in the game for a handball, which I think actually is even clearer than the second one. Um, but I think both you and me have pretty much thrown in the towel now in terms of in terms of the handballs. And no, sort of we just don't know. No, and what isn't? I, I mean, it, yeah. for me, those are but, but for me, but, but both of those are handballs. End of story. There just isn't a debate for me in either case. But I recognise that there are refereeing experts who will be able to make a case and say they're not, and that just doesn't make sense to me. Because, but, but there you go. That's that's kind of by the by. I thought Madrid. I thought it was interesting that that, that Ancelotti tried to freshen up the midfield with Danny Ceballos, who's who's a, a, a fantastically unusual footballer to watch, and he looks kind mm. of clunky because his his knees and his ankles seem to be slightly locked, so he moves in this slightly clunky and old-fashioned sort of way but he's very nice with the ball mm. um, maybe didn't create as much as he would like Vinicius wasn't I think able to escape his marker as much as he would like and, and Fresnella who's who's the guy who was up against um, I was watching him earlier in the season I can't remember which game it was now I went to Valladolid about three months ago and talking to Pacheta afterwards and Pacheta was saying this guy is really really good he's going to be a really good player and I thought he played very very well against Vinicius defensively and what's striking about that is he's been a player who's been a kind of a fullback that stand, stands out because he attacks well, because he crosses well, because he makes things happen. But this time he he, he kind of went man to man with Vinicius and, and largely stood up to him. I thought Madrid were not great, basically, is the short answer. I thought they were defensively a little bit open as well. Um, I thought they didn't they didn't seem as should we use that great word contundente as usual? Yes. Um, what do you, what do you call that? Um, I've never found a good translation for that. But they weren't sort of decisive in the way that they cleared the ball. They 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 sort of didn't they they. They didn't get rid of it as quickly as they should. They, I thought they, they invited some of the problems upon themselves. And fundamentally, I thought there was a period of the game when they were... I wouldn't go so far as to say outrun... Um, oh, sorry, overrun by Vidalif. But there was probably a 20-minute period where I thought Vidalif were very clearly the better side in possession, in creativity, in understanding exactly what it was they were trying to do. Uh, it reminded me a little bit of what we've seen from Barcelona this season in so much as they have been very strong in, in both penalty areas with Ter Stegen making yeah. brilliant saves and Lewandowski scoring the goals. We saw Thibaut Courtois be absolutely superb and oh. makes a couple of unbelievable saves and then Benzema scoring it at the other end. So without necessarily being brilliant, when you're good at yeah. both ends of the pitch, you, you can come away with a victory. Exactly. I mean, obviously, with, you know, this is one of those cliches that, that gets trotted out in Spain about the, the being being good in the areas wins you matches. And of course mm. it does win you matches, but, but the, we sometimes forget that the, the football pitch is actually quite big. Um, and, and so you've got to be able to get into the areas to be good in the areas. But yes, I fundamentally would agree that they're, they're, they're more decisive in those areas than sometimes their play suggests. Uh, just a quick word on that, on that Thibaut Courtois save, by the way. Um, mm. we, we often talk, don't we, about goalkeepers having a strong wrist or a strong hand that when they make a save, they, they don't just get the hand on it, they, they push it away. You watch his save in slow motion. I didn't fully appreciate it the first time round. And it's the strength of his fingers, he, he only just reaches with fingers. It doesn't hit his palm. It hits his fingers. And somehow you actually see the fingers move in the glove. Sort of the fingers push it out. And I, I realise I might be kind of banging on about a minor detail here, but I was really taken by that. I like, God, I mean, I don't know. Has he got sausages for fingers or something? It's just incredible, I thought. Yeah, no, he doesn't have sausages for fingers. Can 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 confirm he doesn't. No. But uh, he is very good at making saves. And dis- despite really having you know an underwhelming yeah. World Cup as the whole of the Belgium squad did, he did. Yeah, um, yeah, he it, did. Yeah. Good to see him back in, in in action. But as you said, Real Madrid made to made to work hard by a really really very well coached by the lead side. 
who should be uh, all right in terms of uh, relegation uh, this uh, this season. Let's move on uh, and discuss some other stuff as well. I did actually want to talk about Sevilla. Uh, you didn't you didn't see them in the first half. Uh, you saw you saw them in the yeah. second half against Celta Vigo when they improved a little bit. <clears throat> uh, they took off Yusuf Nasiri and brought on Eric Lamella, and and he was very important in them getting back into the game. But that first half away to Celta, they were one nil down. They could have been more down. They were absolutely abysmal. Yes, they were missing a. A number of players. I think they had nine players out, three suspended, six six injured. But still, it was not good enough. And we've been wondering this for a while now. Are they too big to go down? And watching them the other day, or two days ago, I was struck by how clearly I saw the answer. No, they're not. They're not. They're not too big to go down. They can. Yeah. They can. Yeah. They don't have players who are used to being in a relegation battle. They are not mentally... Um, experienced in, in 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 what you need in these kind of situations, you know, other teams in and around them have got much more uh, wherewithal in terms of avoiding relegation. And I think they're going to, I think they're going to really struggle. And I wouldn't be surprised, Sid, if we saw another managerial change there. Yeah, no. Funnily enough, I I, w- I was thinking that as well. That the, the, there's something about um, San Paoli and the situation they're in that sort of doesn't feel entirely convincing now. Obviously, it's too early to be blaming him, but you, you're in a position where you need the response relatively quickly. And All right, there's still mm. more than half a season to go because, of course, it feels like we're further down the track than we really are because at, mm. in January, start of a new year, it should be roughly halfway through the season, but they're five or six games off that halfway point mm. um, because of the World Cup. But they, they are not very good, and there isn't a sense, I don't think yet at least, and, and, and I don't know how long you can be patient of there being an idea that pulls them out of this or an identity or a, or a kind of, if you like, a a thing that they can do differently that they weren't doing before that will get them clear. Now, obviously, what should still get them clear is the quality of the players, which I think actually is maybe not as high as we think, but there's enough good players there that it should be. But I look at it and I, I don't see, for example, you know, take what's happened in recent years with, with Iago Aspas. You know, a Celta team that's not very good, but you sort of always feel like Aspas at some point will pull them clear. Who's the player at Sevilla that's going to do that? I sort of don't see it. I've no idea. And, and yeah, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't rely on any of these guys to pull them clear. No, uh, I mean, it, a combination of them should be good enough because there's, there's, there's talented players in that team. But it doesn't really feel like it. I mean, you know, the, the standout Bono. player... In the, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and, and he's your goalkeeper. Admittedly, he's a goalkeeper yeah. who's scored before, but he's your goalkeeper. I mean, the, the, you know, to, to kind of put this into context, and I don't want to overplay this, but let's slightly overplay it to make the point. In the second half, the person who kind of got closer to ma- making things happen than anyone else was Acuna. Acuna, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and, and you know, Acuna's a bit of a lump. Um, you know, he's not, he's not a terrible lump, and he's a world champion. So let's, you know, let's not knock him too much. But, but it was really striking that. And all right, it was a game that was very, very windy, and it did feel a little bit like the game hinged on them changing sides and the wind being yeah. kind of in Sevilla's favour in the second half. But it, it, it's not good. At all, uh, they've played. At eight, all, they've played eight games under San Paoli now. So they played more games under San Paoli. Is it that, that many? Than they did wow, under, I didn't realise it. Under okay. Lopetegui, and they've only won one of those, Sid. Just one. Yeah. And that was yeah. that one 0 win at Mallorca, where the only goal came from Gudeli, who struck the ball from, from forty yards from out. Nowhere. And, and, yeah, exactly. And it's, it's it's yeah, it's really quite bad, and they remain in the relegation zone. And let's see. If and when there is some kind of reaction. Uh, we spoke about Villarreal as well and their uh, 
de- desire to have some time to, or the manager's desire to have some time to work with the players, Kike Setien, uh, coming in just before the World Cup break, not immediately impressing, uh, but having seven weeks to work with his team and seeing them beat Valencia by two goals to one yesterday. Um, I think Valencia were pretty good in the first half. Yeah. Villarreal uh, just about managed to, to to hold on, and then in the second half they, uh, they, they they turned things round. Did you notice anything noticeably different about Villarreal? Did we see Kike Setien's effect? The fact that he's had seven weeks to work with these players. I can't claim that I did. Uh, that's not to say there wasn't <laughs> anything different. It's but it's perfectly yeah. plausible that I didn't see it because I didn't see it rather than because it wasn't there. Mm. But there's nothing that really stood out to me. I mean, obviously, you, you, the, the return of Gerard Moreno will be really important. I and mean, of course, he plays the pass um, or one of the two really good passes for the for the goal, which is brilliantly taken, by the way. The touch and finish is mm. really, really good. He also misses an absolute sitter at the very start. It, it might be... I mean, it's definitely the worst miss we've seen this season. It might be the worst miss we've seen in maybe a decade. Um, he, it's yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's it's the worst miss I've, I've ever seen. I it, is, I mean, it was really like, watching a live match. Like sometimes you know things pop up on Twitter where you see, oh my god, look at this. But in a live match, I've never seen a miss like no, that. No, no. Like, hang on, yeah. and you sort of want to go back. Goes just just show me that again. Is, is that really what happened? Yeah. He also, I, I thought there's a chance that he takes on the edge of the area and tries to bend into the corner. Actually, results in a really really good save from Mama. Mama Dashvili, um, but I think yes. that I think that Gerard Moreno should be taking that first time, and I think he scores if he takes it mm. first time, and so I was yes. struck by that. But I do yeah. think his involvement is is a good sign. I think he's the player that Kika Setien most trusts in. Um, but no, look, I can't watch that game and say to you, mm. I can see something having shifted in these last five weeks. Okay, um, if, while I've got you, dear listener, can I tell you about our? Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash TSFP, where we produce lots of bonus content. We do a Q&A podcast every Tuesday. We do a bonus podcast every Thursday or Friday. There's the TSFP Presents series as well that we do twice a month. There are, there's the Discord, there's Al's paper reviews. There's a lot of content on there for just four euros a month. We're also doing annual memberships now. And if you sign up for an annual membership, you get 10% off. Lots of people have done that. Uh, so get involved, patreon.com forward slash TSFP. We've spoken about football and if there is something about football that we haven't spoken about and you want us to drop us a question and we'll answer it at patreon.com. We have to mention more racist chanting, Sid, in the Via the Lead game. Yeah. And Vinicius went off. Um, you're, I was going to say, you're, you're genuinely going to have to guide me on this because on the television, while I could see that they were shouting at him, I didn't um, hear racist abuse and there's a clip that's going round on Twitter of them of them booing him but I wasn't sure that it was racist abuse but he has come out and said so and of course he's the one hearing it most clearly and 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 you know he's the one that, that that's the that's the victim of it yeah there is a there is a clip on 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 Twitter which I was sent and it I listened to it you know three or four times because all I could hear was uh, cabron and hijo de puta yeah. but then in the background there did seem to be people making some okay. kind of monkey noise okay. I, I listened yeah it took three or four times but it did seem to be there and it's just uh, very sad that we're talking about this again yes, uh, Valdelid have put out a uh, comunicado oficial saying that they will um, work with the league anything that they need they will work harder to try and make sure that these kind of things don't happen but here we are again, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not sure what to say or where to go from here. But it's happened. It's happened again. The the thing the thing to point out, I suppose, here that that that, that is significant 
is Vinicius's um, suggestion that the league aren't doing enough, and and actually I, I think. I think I can I can see his point on this because obviously the the, the initial reaction was always say no one's ever doing enough if it keeps happening you know it, it, it's something you always feel like you can't do enough of uh, you can't do enough about and and obviously there's only so much you can do in the sense that people will still behave like total assholes um, but the the question is how quickly you respond to it and how you respond to it now the league's point of view on this is that they have. Um, what's the word I'm looking for, sort of observers in the stadium that are there for precisely this reason. They put together a report after every game at the end of the round of games. That gets handed on to the Anti-Violence Committee. Uh, Then that gets handed on, in in theory, to, um, what would you call it, the authorities, I suppose. The the courts is is perhaps an overblown way of saying it, but, you know, onto the authorities for investigation. And La Liga's point is that that is what we can do, which is to hand it on to authorities that are bigger than ours. And I think this is something that happens mm. a lot in Spain, that there is always another body, if you sort of mean. And, and what mm. Vinicius's point, I think, forces us to reflect upon is actually that question that says, OK, and that is, it's sort of true that the league is doing what it can do within those frameworks. But actually, why isn't it possible for the league to say, OK, it doesn't matter what the authorities above us say, we are going to act. So we are going yeah. to say, no, that's it. There's a you know, a stadium closure or a ban or we will use your cameras and we will find the person. And and I must admit it's a it's a slightly difficult area because I think for example the, the one um was it Inyaki Williams? I can't remember who it was now, in Granada. Mm-hmm. I think it was Inyaki Williams. And the league provided the footage of the person who did it and identified him and passed that on to the authorities. And as far as I know, that guy was 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 going to end up in court on on um on a charge of uh, what's the actual phrase? Uh, uh, there's an actual phrase in Spanish. It, it escapes me. Um, it's not hate crime as such. I can't remember exactly the wording. But anyway, you know, charged for using um, for racially abusing someone. Mm. And and so on that sense, okay. So that is the league being very proactive. I think there probably is an argument that says, could the league even beyond those other bodies above them actually say, you know what, we're going to do it. Yeah. And, and if the, the the difficulty then, of course, becomes then what happens if the clubs appeal and then you get back into the whole process again? And of course, that is a general thing in Spain that there's always seems to be another stage. And we saw that a little bit Robert, Robert Lewandowski playing this weekend. There's always someone else you can go to. Mm. Um, and, and I suppose that's that's where part of the, the, the weakness comes. But it's clearly something that and on one level, I, I on, one, on one level, I sort of celebrate this. Uh, even though it's it, it's very sad, it's clearly something that Vinicius has decided he is going to push, and he is yeah. going to take, and he is going to follow this through, and 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 I really hope that people follow him, and that it becomes something that 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 provokes some genuine change, because a lot of players would make the first complaint and then kind of back away, because frankly you get tired of it. Frankly, you think, well, why should I be the one fighting this all the time? But Vinicius mm. has clearly decided, I am going to force this through. Yeah. And I really hope that he gets the support and I really hope that it has the impact that that he wants it to have. Yes, absolutely. Um, like we said, had to had to mention that because it has happened again and every time it does happen, we will keep talking about it. Uh, we're coming to the end of today's uh, podcast. Um, before we go, there's also something else that we uh, had to talk about or <laughs> really wish we didn't. Uh, but some very sad news that came out yesterday Anyone who watches La Liga TV will be familiar with the work of Simon Hanley, our, our colleague, presenter and commentator, who died yesterday after a short battle with cancer. 
yeah, it really was quite quick and quite shocking for everyone who knew him and just wanted to pay tribute really to um, his work at La Liga TV, both in front of the camera and also off the camera. Um, he was uh, instrumental in getting La Liga TV set up and he was instrumental in bringing me in. From a personal perspective, I'm always be very, very grateful to him. He was the one who called me to offer me work there. And just reading some of the messages, the tweets that were replying to the tweet that La Liga TV put out, it was clear that he was really, really quite loved and respected by the people who watched and listened to him. I mean, streams and streams and streams of nice, nice comments about how people um, enjoyed listening to him, enjoyed his work and how he enhanced La Liga for a lot of people uh, around the world. So that was, that's really been really, really very nice to, uh, to see. And uh, I think it sort of just underlines how, um, how much of a football fan he was. He loved football. He really loved football. He loved La Liga. He loved Spain. Um, loved Newcastle United as well. And um, it's uh, it's really very, very sad and difficult to assimilate, as it is always with when when someone dies, uh, that you're not going to see them again. You're not going to hear hear them again. You're not going to bump into them again at work again. It's it's difficult. Um, infinitely more difficult for his for his family. And his, his his close friends to whom we um we send our um, best wishes. But yeah, um, I know a lot of people who are listening to us watch um, La Liga in the in the UK, Ireland, and and Africa, where La Liga TV does go out. And he um he he was a very familiar figure, voice, and face to to people. And um, I think it's going to be a big big loss. And yeah, it's going it's going to take a while to get over. Yeah, I mean, there's there's nothing you can say that's remotely adequate, um, and I, you sometimes in these kind of situations you, you you sort of don't really know what to say, um, and, and you're aware of the, the limitations of what you can say. But but I think the the thing that you've picked up on is 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 really quite striking. I spent quite a lot of yesterday just kind of reading what people had said on 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 Twitter and and and, and reading the impact it it had on people. And, and you're right, that's that, that, that's I. <laughs> You know, does it provide comfort? Yes, it does. It's maybe comfort's not 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 the right word, but it but it was actually really nice to see that that these were people who who felt like Simon was you know kind of part of their La Liga experience. That he was very much the the, the voice of their of their La Liga coverage and and for quite a while, and they felt that a degree of warmth towards him and a degree of of, of having shared some of this with him. And I, I remember having this conversation with. With Michael Robinson, mm. um, who, who of course passed away a few years ago, and, and, and him always talking about at the risk of cliche, and, and he always was aware that you know at the risk of cliche, he says, you know, these people allow me into their living room, you know, they allow us into their living room, and and, and they share um, some of these experiences with us, and we are we are part of their their kind of lived experience of something about which they are enormously passionate in this case Spanish football but but you know the same is true of other sports or, or football from other countries and and I think that 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 was actually I spent quite a lot of yesterday actually reading those messages and and sort of thinking I don't know what I can add that's adequate I don't know if I even should add anything that's adequate but but you're right um that I think it was important for us to I know to to say goodbye and to to say to his family that we're that we're sorry and 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 there is nothing 
beyond that that you can really do except except for what people have done which is to 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 kind of celebrate what he did and celebrate the impact that he had and celebrate the fact that he really really liked Spanish football uh, and that we all really really like Spanish football and 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 you know we can kind of go on enjoying it the way the, the way that that he did absolutely um so thank you for uh, uh listening uh, to us and um you know listening to us uh, uh talk about someone who you know you might not have known but but we did and we felt it was important to uh, to say that um that's it for for this week's edition of TSFP we'll be over at Patreon for the rest of the week if you need us happy new year amigos and you know go out and enjoy life adios cheerio Network.